This is Crowcast, the podcast from Crow in the UK, a leading audit, tax, advisory and risk firm with global reach and local expertise. In our podcast, you will hear from our specialists, offering insights and pragmatic advice to businesses of all sizes, professional practices, non-profit organisations, pension funds and private clients. Good afternoon. My name's Jane Mackay and I'm Head of Tax at Crow UK. Um, I'm delighted to be here um, introducing our third or fourth budget podcast. Today was actually an autumn statement, so not technically a budget at all, uh, but it's been much heralded and um, people have been waiting for tax rises to come. Yesterday's news about the um, inflation rate going above 11%, meant that we were all prepared for the worst. Um, And and I'm joined today by uh, my fellow tax partners, Lawrence Field, Rebecca Durrant and Rob Jannering, who will um, help us wade through the announcements that were made or not made and try to make sense of it. So, uh, Lawrence, um, you're a corporate tax partner, uh, international tax and a general uh, fiscally interested person. Um, what stood out most for you in the budget, in, in the sorry, autumn statement today? Yeah, the autumn statement, one of our many fiscal events. Um, to, to me, it was, um, I'm going to call it the Ron Seal budget, but it did exactly what it said on the tin. Um, you know, the government's been telling us for the past week about how horrible it's going to be. And um, that's basically what they delivered. You know, everybody, companies, individuals, we're probably going to be worse off. Um, it would have been a real surprise had they had any surprises because uh, the previous government um, decided to have a few surprises and that didn't go down very well with the market. So uh, actually, if they deviated very much from the script that they've set out, I think, um, you know, it would have been an untested reaction from the market. Um, what, what do I think the main bits are? Well, frankly, he's relying on inflation to do the heavy lifting. Um you know, there's no indexation of a lot of the limits. Um, so on one hand, you get the chance of saying how terrible inflation is. And on the other hand, he's kind of hoping there'll be lots of it to increase the tax take. So, um, you know, is there a conflict of interest there? I don't know. Um, I think the, you know, the other big thing is that, you know, as you'd expect, these guys are political animals. So companies are going to bear the, you know, the brunt of some of the changes for the next couple of years. And how, how is that? How, how is that going to manifest itself? Well, I, I think, you know, we've got an increase in tax rate, 25% for large companies. The definition of large companies has actually been made a lot smaller. So, you know, if you're a business and you think you're small, you might actually be large as far as the inland revenue are concerned now. Um, you know, we're going to find that, you know, things like R&D tax credits, they're being cut back on, you know, there's been a lot of fraud in that sector, but equally just cutting back on it actually, you know, help those companies that are using the, the, the R&D tax credits correctly. So was the R&D tax credit cut that was in today's announcement? Was there any update on the consultations that they've been talking about for some time to improve? I, I think the, yeah, the, the, the reality is going to be that they want to reform it. They want to focus it differently, and they're going to bring forward some um, some changes um, relatively soon. Uh, I think the you know one of the things to perhaps bear in mind is that even though the rate of repayment has been cut back, given that the rate of tax has gone up, 
there's kind of yeah. a difficult sum to be done there to work out whether you're worse off. Yeah. And you know, the kind of that 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 that's all in the detail. But you know, the whole idea of trying to create an innovative economy, you're sending out quite an interesting signal where you're saying you're cutting back the headline rate of R and D tax credits. But yeah, they you know they do want to reform it. I think there's a you know, there's a feeling in government that a lot of the credit has been wasted, or if not wasted, not as productive mm-hmm. as it perhaps could have been, and they want to refocus how they're spending those pennies. Okay, that's great. So, Rebecca, can I um, come to you then as uh, um, our head of private clients? Um, obviously, as well as acting for the company owners, you'll be acting for a whole range of private clients. Uh, yeah. What, how, how is this uh, autumn statement going to affect your client base? Um, there's a couple of of key ways, really. I mean, I think firstly, obviously today was, as, as Lauren said, not much of a surprise and certainly much less drama than the last one that we had. But I think the point on um, the impact on businesses is is quite fundamental, really, certainly for some of our clients, you know, in the entrepreneurial owner-managed business space. What that will basically mean for them is that the, the more, obviously, corporation tax they have to pay on the business means there's less profits available for them to to distribute to to take out for their for their families um and equally with now higher dividend rates and the freezing of personal allowances and the reduction of the additional rate bans means that they will then pay more tax on essentially less money that they can take out so there will be um there will be an impact i think there's going to be a lot more number crunching around the remuneration planning for businesses, it's not necessarily a straight answer now that low salary, high dividends is, is the way forward. I think we need to look at alternatives, um, interest on loan accounts, potentially rental income if there's property in the business. There are, there are alternatives. I think it's just maybe looking at bigger picture. Um, so I guess that's for the business side and a business owner side, but also a lot of our clients are our investors and you know the the changes to the dividend rates and again increasing allowance will will affect their investments. I think some of them will be benefiting from higher interest rates at the moment. Um, but equally that means that there's more tax to pay, the income's greater, there's more tax to pay. And actually we'll see a lot more people that maybe, you know, with relatively modest investments that haven't been in self-assessment for a long time now coming back within that system um, and having tax returns to do, which which might be something of a of a surprise to to some people. That's a, that's a really interesting point, um, Re- Rebecca. Um, so, so so basically, pe- people who have been out of self assessment need to kind of think carefully about whether Absolutely. they've got a filing obligation. Yeah. No, yeah, if you think about the you know the reduction to the dividend rate, they could have had up to two thousand um, pounds in dividends previously without paying tax or even having to having to disclose that. With that reduction, and and that you know there's potentially um, an impact for them on reporting capital gains tax again. That's the same. You know they've previously been able to realise up to twelve and a half thousand pounds worth of, of gains in a year, um, which is quite substantial for a modest investor. If we're now seeing that half and then half again over the next couple of years, yes, it will generate more tax take for HMRC, but that in itself is not going to be particularly high. Um, but it will mean that more people will fall within in the self-assessment regime and actually increase the administrative burden, not just for them, but for the revenue as well. Yeah, I mean, although did you spot there was an announcement of an investment of um, uh, in, in, into the into revenue, in particular, specifically in order to tackle, you know, fraud, but also to deal with wealthy individuals? 
Yes, um, I was actually having a conversation about this about that this morning. They are investing more into into fraud and into anti avoidance, but they have done that previously, haven't they? So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that manifests itself over the next few years and whether we see any significant change because they are quite resource strained at the moment at HMRC. So, any investment would actually be welcome um, yeah. from that side. So, so, so kind of in summary, increasing tax burden, probably more complicated calculations. And then don't forget, there's probably an increase in compliance burden and cost as well as the tax cost. So with the, with the freezing of the um, allowances, not just for income tax and capital gains, but for inheritance tax as well, more people will fall within these, within these bands. And so more people will pay tax. If you think about the inheritance tax ban, that hasn't increased um for years and it's not likely to now till beyond 2028 um, and property values have increased so more people are paying inheritance tax we are likely to see property values fall over the next couple of years with the way um, interest rates are but still um, whilst rates of tax haven't particularly increased more people will be will be paying tax as a result of these changes I think I mean that there is actually a sort of super stealthy tax isn't there because the the national uh, living wage has gone up, yeah. And if the you know the threshold for actually being in the charge to income tax at all has remained the same, what actually happens is employers will have to pay their people more. Mm-hmm. That will pull them into the charge to tax. They don't yeah. get as much benefit from the increase in the national living wage, and the government the money goes straight into the government's coffers. So it's kind of like you know an indirect way of actually extracting a bit more tax from some employers at the expense of the lowly paid. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, he also announced the, um, I'm not quite sure what you would call it, but the, that provision of, of coaching to get more people mm. back into work that are currently on, on benefits. So, again, you know, as you say, Lawrence, that, that super tax by super stealth tax, you know, the more people within um, the employment regime is, is more cost to employers, more more people working, more people paying tax. Well you know, go some way, I guess, to to increasing um, the tax take and filling the black hole rather than actually raising rates, which um, he, he has, other than the dividend tax, has shied, ra- shied away from. Thanks, Rebecca. So um, all feels quite gloomy. Um, Rob, on the, on the VAT front, <laughs> were there any changes announced? Uh, I guess VAT was basically notable for what didn't happen rather than what did happen. So the the headlines out there were that just with a lot of the other taxes, they have frozen the threshold. So it's been uh, at the same level for quite a long time. And I guess the reason for that is to try and bring more people into the the taxation. So the same same issue. The same as what's happening with all the other taxes. Now, whether that's good, I can see the intentions of the government. What we generally find is that's not very good for growth. So just like Lawrence uh, has been saying there, some other people, they've got no way of getting out of tax. So as the thresholds freeze, but the money's taken directly, what we often see with VAT is that people do get to the cliff edge of the threshold and they decide either to stop working, so you get no growth in the economy, or you find that the money isn't recorded um, which isn't good either. So e- even though we talked about there's more resources for tax fraud, 
does that mean people have got more incentive actually to not be declaring their income that they're getting and not being that registered? Yeah. But obviously not our clients, Rob. None of because, our clients. Because we, prob- we would obviously help them get registered. <laughs> we, we like that registrations, but this, this is what happens in reality yeah. and that there's lots of that that grows growth. And I did notice that Jeremy Hunt, when he was at the, um, he was giving the speech, he made the point of emphasising the difference between us and Europe saying that there's very low thresholds in Europe. Some countries don't even have a threshold where you need to register. And it might be that that would be a a better thing to do. So then everybody's within the net straight away and it's a level playing field Mm. and it doesn't inhibit growth. Or maybe we should be actually upping this threshold. And interestingly, this is only frozen until 2026, whereas all the others, I think, until 2028. So so are you thinking they might go one way or the other? In 2026. Potentially, they might go one way or the other. I I do think there was recommendations quite in the recent past to actually really reduce it. I know people don't like having to do an extra return, but it's the balance of do you want more growth and people don't worry about it versus people really do get to the cliff edge and they will just slow up or they will go away and that slows your whole economy. And the mantra we hear, not just from this government, but the last one and the one before, is it's all about growth. So it's not very pro-growth to do an action like this. So just on the subject of, of growth, um, I noticed that the CBI published some figures about exporting statistics mm-hmm. and that um, the number of UK businesses exporting has is still below 10%, but has reduced. Was there anything to make exporting post-Brexit any uh, simpler? I mean... You've said the B word. Um, it's good that we've said it, that nobody else will talk about Brexit, I guess. Um, you know, what, what I always think is really good for stability, uh, for growth in the economy is stability. Mm-hmm. So we've had lots of chopping and changing and things might happen, they might not change. What we generally find our clients like and other businesses is stability because you, whether you like it or not, you will work around it. And, and I think what I said, it was notable for what didn't happen in the budget today it would have been nice to have seen some steps made towards helping our exporters. So we still have the barriers of you have to export into Europe. We've got two different VAT systems. We've got customs barriers that need to be managed. And that is a big cost. But again, if we want to grow the economy, we want to be global Britain gets banded around. The opportunity to do that isn't happening. Um, And like I said, it's what isn't happening within our taxation system you know, as an example, in Europe for VAT, they're about to have VAT in the digital age. Mm. That's going to be announced uh, at the beginning of December. Mm. And what you're going to see there is actually lots of tax authorities taking steps to uh, make the system simpler, but also tackle fraud by having things like e-invoicing and having digital transactional reporting. So that's much more technology-enabled. It's more technology-enabled. Yeah. It gives the tax authorities greater visibility over what's going on. So it, it's great we've got more money going into HMRC to actually fight fraud. Mm. It would be nice to have some real, more resource just to do things like process fact registrations yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and all the administration bit we need. But yes, they, they're investing in technology there. But it does mean that if one of our UK businesses wants to go and do business on the continent, they're going to have to learn about all of this technology-enabled reporting. They're going to have to manage their systems and accounting there, whereas it's back to the UK. From a fact purpose, there's just five boxes to fill in. 
We do have MTD, but it's quite a simplistic application of technology for VAT. Mm. Um, and again, I think that's a big challenge. I would almost like to see our government bringing in these kind of things. It will be painful at the outset, but they'll begin to put us on the same footing as what tax authorities in the rest of the world see, which helps us when we go into those countries and we have yeah. to operate there. And it would also probably help the government uh, become more efficient and reduce the tax gap that we do see all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I still think there's things to be done there. Whether they come out again later on in the year, we will we will wait to see, but they don't seem to have been focused on at the moment. So kind of from that point of view and um, sort of overall, actually it was there wasn't that much announced. It's freezing of thresholds, but at least that kind of gives stability. Hmm. Um, there was quite a lot of talk, Lawrence, about sort of things like, you know, focusing on the green economy and R&D, etc. But didn't seem to be much substance about that. What's your thinking in terms of timing? And my, my take on it was that, you know, for all the talk about growth, a lot of the growth initiatives relied on government spending to do them rather than private sector spending. Right. Or, or at least there was nothing fiscal in the budget that would... Uh, go above and yeah. beyond where so we no, are at no, the moment. No special allowances uh, yeah, to exactly. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, we're going to get rid of the super deduction for capital allowances <laughs> as planned, and all those sorts of things. So, I think my 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 disappointment from it would be that you know, I think you know, clearly the government's right. Growth is really important, but it was kind of almost Keynesian in its outlook that that growth was going to be coming only from government spending. Mm. Um, now, that might just be the reality of things. You know, there's 18 months, two years to the next general election. Any tax changes now to encourage growth aren't going to have any impact before then. So, you know, they're making it the next government's problem to really work out what they're going to do. So, yeah, thanks very much for all your uh, comments, Rob, Lawrence and Rebecca. Um, it's been an interesting day. We've met more frequently than we are used to. And let's hope for a bit of stability. And uh, we'll catch up in six months. If you've got any questions, if you're listening to this, please contact your usual contact. And we'd love to hear from you. Tune in next time for another episode of Crowcasts. For more information about Crow, our services, industries we devise and insights, visit crow.co.uk. We are an independent member of Crow Global, one of the top 10 accounting networks in the world. You can connect with us on social media by following Crow UK on LinkedIn or at Crow UK on Twitter.